I, I, I just see the same thing with this team. A team that wins, you know, double-digit number, double-digit wins, but just maybe wins a playoff game and that's it. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. We are your hosts, Nathan and Nick. What's going on, man? It's July. Did you have a good Fourth uh, of July weekend? Had a pretty decent one. Definitely lovely weather for the weekend. No rain. Just starting to get muggy towards the end. So lots of time in the pool. How about yourself? Had a good time. I actually got the drone out for the the firework display here in Finley. So I got an actually had a pretty cool recording. Put some epic effects and music to it. So check out Facebook. You, sh- you guys should totally see that on my uh, Facebook profile. So had a lot of fun doing it. So we had a good time. Uh, the one-year-old slept through the entire thing. So we'll have to wait till next year to get his first firework experience. But needless to say, it's the last month of no football. That's what I love about July. So we have a very busy... This, this past week has just been an extremely busy week in sports. NBA Finals, Euro 2020, NHL playoffs. We got the match and golf. Um, obviously, the MLB is well underway and deep into the season. So, a big, big week. I do want to. I do want to mention. I nailed a Joey Chestnut 76 hot dog. So I thank you, Nick, for stealing my 77 guess. So I had to take 76. So that was a. Um, obviously a very fun competition, but we're going to start with the NBA finals. We're here. We have, um, the Suns and the Bucks. Um, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a fun finals and we're just going to break it down. So obviously there are a couple games in by the time you've heard this episode, but we are picking our, every guest we have is, uh, before anything has, has been played. So what you hear is, um, prior to the results you've already seen. So, Nick, I guess we'll start with you. Um, I guess first, uh, just give us a quick take on, on the on the series and on the two teams in the series. Um, and then if you want to give your predictions, go for it. Well, Suns and Bucks, the team, either team we had going very far in the NBA playoffs. You had the Bucks in the first round. We both had the Suns losing the first round when we did our early prediction. Obviously, injuries played a part in some of their success while their team chemistry played a bigger part, in my opinion, to where they're at at this point. Both teams have done what they needed to to be successful and get themselves to this point. Phoenix Suns have just looked like a well-oiled machine, even in defeats, to do exactly what they need to and find a way. The Bucks sloppy at times. We've scratched our heads, written them off many times, and 
they just seem to find a way to make here. Um, at the at this point, we're not sure what Giannis's knee is going to look like, so that really plays a factor in looking at this series and what we're going to get. Not that you're hoping for him to make that final free throw shot, or for the love of Pete, if he gets back in the court, stop shooting three pointers, dude. Just stick to what you do well. <laughs> but with all that being said, just looking at this series and everything, it like you said, I think it's going to be a fun series. It's going to get back to that big team chemistry and teams building their foundation from multiple drafts holding on the players for long periods of time. In the end, I do think the Suns win. Um, the Giannis injury keeps me from really thinking the Bucks are going to be able to steal this and take this away. So I'm going to go with the Suns in six. What's your take, Nathan? Yeah, very similar teams, actually, in a way. Um, I feel like these two teams have built through the draft more than free agent signings, simply because Phoenix and Milwaukee aren't at the top of most players' lists to to play for on the free agent market. So these teams really have to build through the draft. And obviously they've done a fantastic job at that. Another similarity, they both made, uh, I think a very good trade in the off season to get a point guard, which is, I think was a, a weak point in uh, each of this, each team's uh, uh, needs. So uh, similar in that aspect where they, they made a key trade to get that, that point guard on that team. Uh, to help to help lead that position, so the very very similar uh, s- styles and way they form this their team. So this is very atypical in this NBA era. You know, we typically have a dynasty going to their third, fourth, fifth straight finals, right? Defending their uh, their championship. Uh, typically, we have at least one, if not two, super teams playing. Very atypical, and I think it's it's good to see something like this uh, changes it up a little bit, give the the little dog a chance. Um, but I I guess my initial prediction I do think the Suns win simply because at this point, if you make to the finals, you're you're playing really really well. You can't just make it this far and not play well. I do look at two things: its health and uh, and its consistency. At this point, I don't need to look at much much else because obviously they're they're here at the finals. So I, I need someone who's going to put four good games together to win this thing, and I need a team that's going to have a healthy lineup each uh, each each day they play. So obviously Giannis's knee is a concern, but that was the only injury they had. Uh, the only injury the Suns had were was Chris Paul out for COVID reasons. So I, I don't know how Giannis's knee is going to influence. I don't know this this series. I don't know how bad it is. I just think it's a miracle that he's even back. I remember texting you when it happened. I said, there's no way he even plays next year. That thing is blown up. That was I've never seen someone bounce back from a hyperextension knee like that. And that wasn't just like a slight hyperextension. That was a that was pretty that was a pretty good hyperextension of his knee. And I have they call him the Greek freak for a reason, as you told me. It's just that's incredible that he's playing. Incredible. I thought he was out at least a year. So, but it could influence. But the Milwaukee Bucks played very, very well without him. Uh, so, I'm really on on like uh, I'm not really sure who to pick here. But I, I did. I'm picking the Suns. I'm gonna do seven though, just because it's the finals. But the Suns team reminds me of the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they knock off the defending champs. The LA Lakers, just like the Dallas Mavericks did 2011. 
And then the, what makes them so special is because, you know, their best player, which I'm going to say Devin Booker is on the Suns, you know, everyone's saying he's got to get out of there. He's got to get out of there if he wants a ring, you know. It just reminds me of Dirk Nowinski in Dallas, even though I think Dirk was a little bit old, older at the time. Most of us thought, ah, he's got to get out of Dallas if he ever wants a ring, right? But he finally got one with the Mavericks, with the team he's been so loyal to. But what did both of those teams do? Well, they, they brought in a veteran point guard to really help them get over that hump. And the Mavericks brought in Jason Kidd, uh, a, a guy that's really been around the league. He, he's always been, you, you know, a top 10, I would say top 10 point guard this, this league has ever seen. And Jason Kidd, the former triple-double triple double master before Russell Westbrook uh, uh, laced up his shoes. But they brought in a, a veteran point guard who's who's always been a key component to so many teams, but just never been over that hump. And bringing in Chris Paul, I think, is a very similar comparison there for the Phoenix Suns to really help uh, this young team and Devin Booker and everybody else there to just get over that hump. So I, I, I see a lot of similarities there, and uh, that's why I think I'm ultimately going to pick the Suns to win this. Um, you know, just have that off off year where just a team that's just well put together, close, tight-knit, not really a superstar. Chris Ball gets his ring just like Jason Kidd got his ring, Dirk Vinci got his ring. I just think that you were going to see a year like that. So I got Phoenix Suns in seven. So what other things are we going to pick and, and guess for the finals? So we're both on the Suns, myself with six games, you with seven games. Now we're going to look at who's going to be the finals MVP. Now. I can't remember a time in history since I've been watching, and maybe you can correct me on this, Nathan, where an MVP was from a losing team. So if we continue with the trend that we've seen in the last few years where the winning team has the MVP, which makes sense, we both pick the Suns. Who do you have from the Suns winning the MVP, or do you have someone different? It's going to be the Suns. I think it's really going to be between um, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And Chris Paul played pretty lights out um, that last game. But I really, as much as I want to Chris, pick Chris Paul, I think it's going to be Devin Booker. I think this is going to be his series to win. Drew Holiday is a great defender. And he may play Devin Booker once in a while, but they're going to need him on Chris Paul. And I think Chris Paul and Drew Holiday are just going to like eat each other alive defensively. And, and they're, offensively, neither of them are really going to have great series. I think Devin Booker is going to have the great numbers and the great series and the clutch buckets and some of those iconic moments that I think ultimately gives him the MVP. Who do you got? I was between those two individuals you just mentioned, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and I was just going with the storybook ending for Chris Paul, who's really been trying to climb the mountain, finally getting that championship and then getting the MVP trophy. It's really going to come to, I think it's going to be a tight race between those two throughout the series. They're going to have many similar similarities in their numbers, whether that's in points or assist or different facets of the game. So with it being a voting contest towards the end, I think Chris Paul ends up getting it in the end just because of that whole putting a bow onto that perfect season for Chris Paul. The next thing we're going to look at is Nathan and I are going to try to make a guess on how many total points will there be scored in the final game, the clinching game. So, Nathan, how many points do you think will be scored by both teams combined in the final game of the NBA season? So I have it going to seven games. So 
Game seven of the finals. I mean, you're just giving it a hundred hundred twenty thousand percent at this point, um, especially because you've got two teams that most of these players, all of these players, have really never been to the finals before. None of them have a ring. Maybe Jerry Crowder does. Um, I know he's been to the finals. I don't know if he has a ring or not, but so the the hunger is there on both ends. So. I just think when that's and then plus it's like the end of the season, legs are shot. So this is gonna be a very defensive battle. I think it's gonna be low scoring. I'm gonna have like a 110, 107 last game of the season. So I've got two hundred and seventeen points. Um, excellent guess. I actually had low scoring as well. I actually went a little lower than you on this one. I said two hundred and twelve points for the end of the game. Both teams have come in playoff rating wise very great defensively. Um the Suns have had have allowed 101 points while the Bucks have had allowed 104 points pretty good defensively so I have 212 points for the final game of the series so with that being said now we're going to switch gears from the NBA and Nathan has a hot take here um, recently we've had a lot of Olympic news coming through the sports news feeds of different things going on unfortunately on the Olympic side of it right now it's who's not going to be in the Olympics and there's various reasons why athletes aren't able to compete. Nathan, I'll let you take it away from here. What is your take for this episode? Yeah, my hot take for this for this episode, just this last week or two here, there's just a lot of rules and breaking of rules and rule changes, um, professional sports, collegiate sports. And I just kind of want to break this down a little bit here because there's a lot of people defending these athletes, a lot of people defending a lot of things that they're doing. Um, and I'm not here to defend the rule itself. Um, I'm not here to say whether the rule's right or wrong. That's not the point. I'm talking about breaking rules. And so I first want to start with the NCAA. So recently, I think as of July 1st, 2021, collegiate athletes are able to make money off their name, their image, and their likeness. Right. So they've never had this opportunity in the past. Um, I think it's a rule that's well overdue. I think Nick and I both agree on that. Um, we both feel that the NCAA has profited greatly on these collegiate athletes. So I'm not here to argue that rule. And um, But it was a rule through June 30th, 2021. And anybody who broke that rule up to June 30th, 2021 gets no sympathy from me. Because it's a rule, and as an athlete signing your papers to commit to a school to play for a school, you are agreeing to follow and abide by these rules, regardless if you like them or not. Growing up, I had to follow rules my parents put in place. Did I agree with all of them? No. But I needed to follow them, and if I didn't, there was consequences. But like all rules, they change over time right? The, the world changes, circumstances changes, personalities change, just things constantly change. So the rules need to adjust at, along with those changes. So for example, like I said, growing up, I had rules to follow, but I have a sister who is 11 years younger than me. She has a different set of rules than what I had. Now I'm not here complaining 
to, you know, my mom and dad, this isn't fair. Why does she, why did I have this role and she didn't? Well, things have changed, right? For example, like I didn't get a phone, right? Till I was 18 and I didn't get a smartphone until I decided to get off my, the phone plan and buy a smartphone. My sister gets a smartphone at age 16, paid for by my parents. Now I could sit here and complain about that, but the world has changed. It's a lot more of a digital world. You need your phone way more now than you did when I was in high school because nearly everything's on there. And I, I mean, we couldn't even have our phone in the classroom when I was in school. Now I believe everyone can have a phone in the classroom. It's not a big deal, right? But everything's more digital now. So the rules had to adjust and change with how the world was going, right? And so I, I accept that and I realize that. Not complaining, oh, why didn't I get to have my phone out during school hours? Or why didn't I even get a phone in the first place? So college sports have caught up, maybe even surpassed professional sports in some areas of this country in regards to popularity, right? I think in the rural areas in the Midwest, collegiate sports are way more popular than professional sports. I, I'm a witness to, to it in Northwest Ohio. It's all about Ohio State football and Michigan football. And Nick, I think you can probably attest to that. Professional football is not as big just because we're, we're far away from most big cities here in Northwest Ohio. And, and so I just, I feel like in the last 20 years, like collegiate sport popularity has skyrocketed. And, and though I think it's long overdue, I'm glad they made this rule change. But that doesn't mean what Johnny Manziel did, what Reggie Bush did, what all these players did 10, 15, 20 years ago that cheated the rule to make money when they knew when that they, they had the knowledge and the consent of what they were doing was wrong, regardless if they agree with the rule or not. They signed the papers, they knew what the rules were, and they went against them. We have this mentality in America where it's like, if I don't agree with the rule, I have the right to break it. That's not that's not how it works. I signed rules to work for my company, right? Non-compete, right? I can't just quit my job and go work for another company that does the same thing. It's a non-compete, right? It's it's even though I don't maybe not agree with it, I signed the papers like I it's in the contract. Um workplace dress i don't always agree what what we had where to work was needed it wasn't going to affect how i worked but i had to do it anyways because it was the rules just because i don't agree with them doesn't mean i don't have to follow them so people like reggie bush johnny Mansell, and numerous others i'm sure decided eh, i don't like this rule i'm going to break them and make money regardless if they agreed with it or not but here's here's my I guess my biggest take here People are, are, are just vowing for Reggie Bush to get his Heisman Trophy back or vowing for him to get all his records back that they took away because he broke this rule. I, I am not – I'm going to be the, the unpopular opinion, but he does, he does not deserve any of that back because here's the problem. There were other very high-profile athletes that played during Reggie Bush's time that decided to follow the rules, that could have easily made money off their name, their image, and their likeness, but because – it was against the rule, against the NCAA rules. They did not. Their names are in the record books. They have Heisman trophies in their homes. Reggie Bush doesn't. So now that we changed the rule 20 years later, now the person 
that broke the rule, that wasn't doing what he was supposed to, made a profit in college when it was illegal, and has all the records and the awards that he got. While the person that did follow the rules 20 years ago didn't make a profit, even though they could have, because they followed the rules, and all he has is the awards and the, you know, and, and, and the records. You can't go back and, everyone says, oh, we gotta go back and rewrite and repair what we did. No, the, the rules were the rules, and he broke them. End of story. Because if you try to go back in time and, and fix everything, we're going to be constantly doing that. There's rules today in the NCAA that will change 20 years from now. Are you going to try to rework things, you know, then? No, because the rules are the rules today. If you break them today, you break the rules. You're not innocent 20 years later when it's not a rule anymore because you broke it when it was a rule. And that's the other confusion we have. Reggie Bush isn't innocent now. Johnny Manziel isn't innocent now. Because it was a rule when they broke it. So that's my fiery message. Now I want to jump to uh, Shakari Richardson here. The USA sprinter who uh, tested positive for marijuana in her drug test. Now I, I applaud her for her admitting her wrong. Standing up uh, just... Just knowingly admitting it and 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 not trying to make excuses. I, I applaud her for that. I'm proud of her for that. So this has nothing to do with her or anything. And, and it has nothing to do with the rule itself. What this has to do is everything. everyone trying to defend her. It's like, even though... I, I have no idea if smoking marijuana is going to affect her performance. I have, I have no idea. I know nothing about that drug. But it, based off what I'm hearing, it sounds like it, it doesn't. In fact, it sounds like it could actually hurt your performance. So regardless, whether you disagree with the rule, once again, it doesn't make her innocent or it doesn't give her a pass just because you disagree with the rule. She broke the rule. She has to suffer the consequences. Now you can show her sympathy. You can support her. You can be there for her as she's going through this. But we can't just sit here and say, "I this is a stupid rule. She should be, she should be running. It's... It's the rule. And she broke it, knowingly broke it. And so, unfortunately, this is the reality. She should not be running because this is what the Olympic rule is. And she knew it. And she broke it. So, let's, as a society, we can be there for these players and help them through the process. But we can't simply overlook rules just because we simply don't agree with them. Or we can't just, because a rule changes, go back in time and rewrite all the history books because... For generations, you know, all these players that broke these rules and were, were reprimanded and had to suffer the consequences should now be given back everything. That's that's, that's not how it works. That's, that's not how it works. I'm not seeking to get back any of the rules that have changed from me, from my parents to now my sister. There's an 11-year gap. There's a lot that has changed since then. Rules change. Life changes. Follow the rules. That's all that, That's all there is to it. Follow the rules. Do what's right, and if you don't like a rule, follow it, but you can fight to change it, but you have to continue to follow it until it changes, unless you quit whatever you're doing where you sign the contract to follow such rules. So I'm sorry that was long-winded. As always, my rants are, but that, that that's just kind of my biggest hot take from the, the last week or two in sports. Yeah, the rules are explained to these athletes, and just just got to do, like Nathan said, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fight and push to get this change, and 
if it gets changed, good for them for doing that, having the good fight. But while it's in place, you got to follow it. Let me add one thing, simply because I think it pertains to this podcast. You know, sports forecasters, we're trying to always predict sports, especially games, right? Um, so sports betting, right, is, is becoming more legal now in a lot more states. And I think eventually, probably in the next year or two, it's going to be legal across America. But right now, it's it's not legal in some states. And and if you think that's because you disagree with it and decide to do it anyways and get caught, right? even though two years from now that rule is probably going to change, you're still guilty. You can't go back two years and be like, well, I broke it two years ago. Um, now you changed the rule. Now I'm innocent. It's just, you know, even as fans and, 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 and sport enthusiasts and forecasters like us, you know, we have to follow those rules and abide by them, whether or not we agree with them. Yes. Excellent points, Nathan. So to kind of jump off that wagon, we're going to go into our next NFL preview in this 2021 season. Last week, we looked at the AFC North. We decided not to go NFC North because we feel like there's going to be a lot of turmoil there. So the next few weeks, we're going to be jumping around different divisions. Like Nathan and I talked about, we're going to try to talk about divisions we feel where their lineups are pretty settled, where there may not be potential trades of certain positions that may happen that could change how we look at it. Yeah, could that change the wins and losses we're projecting for the divisions we are talking about? Maybe, but that's part of doing picks before the season begins. Like Things change all the time, injuries and everything. But we're going to do our best to look at the divisions we feel are settled, and today that's the NFC West. And just like last week, we're going to go in order of how they finished last season just kind of running through the teams, talking about them, what we're seeing about them, what we think it'll be. And then at the end, we'll give our division breakdown of who we think will be at the top of the mountain for this division, working our way to the bottom, actually work from the bottom to the top of the mountain because that's how mountain climbing goes. You start at the bottom, work your way up the top. Our season preview begins with the Seattle Seahawks for the NFC West. They were division winners last year, going 12-4. and four. Nathan, what's your take on the Seahawks? I'm, a, I'm a, always a big Seahawks fan. I always think highly of them. Russell Wilson is a phenomenal football player, and I call him a football player, not just a quarterback. I, I just think he can do so much with his mind, with his arm, with his legs. He builds up everyone around him. He's, he's literally a coach on the field, just, just a high IQ football player. Just I, I love everything about this guy at quarterback. So, But the, the thing the Seattle I don't like is their coaching. Um, I think Pete Carroll is – overdue i think he's uh on borrowed time there his style is outdated to me um i i feel like he's he's kind of stubborn in his coaching he he had a lot of success early on but just remember he failed in the nfl a lot before this third shot that he got in seattle and he inherited the best defense in the league and a diamond in the rough quarterback in russell wilson and went back-to-back Super Bowls. And guess what? He blew the... He should have went one back-to-back Super Bowls, but he blew it in the second one with this a very poor play call. Obviously, with the Karan Butler interception, very uh, famous interception there. So, just... This team should have had way more success the last 10 years than what they've had, and that's all because of Pete Carroll. So, I, I, I just see the same thing with this team. A team that wins, you know, double-digit, Number, double-digit wins, but just maybe wins a playoff game and that's it. Just like they have last year and all the previous years. I don't see them making – I don't. they're not a Super Bowl contender to me. Uh, they're not going to go deep into the playoffs. I just see them a 
maybe a one and done in the playoffs and maybe get past the first round. But that's kind of how I see Seattle. Um, I I wish that Russell would play for either. I wish they would get rid of Pete Carroll, bring in maybe some young young guy that seems to have a lot of success in, in the NFL. Or, or Russell Wilson just gets another shot in another team. But that's not happened yet. So that's kind of that's kind of the forecast I see in Seattle. What about you? Seattle is a team that, when Pete Carroll came, like you said, came into a defensive juggernaut. They had a great system and just executed well, decimated, highest-scoring team in NFL history in the Denver Broncos. Like It was jaw-dropping to see that Super Bowl. But since then, it does feel a lot like they've kind of rested on those successes and that second Super Bowl, just everyone will always question that call. I mean, if it's successful, we don't talk about it in the regard we do where you should have fed Marshawn or whatever. But since then, the biggest thing that I've been concerned about with Seattle is their inability to address the offensive line. It just seems like year after year, beginning of the season, they look like world beaters. Last season is a great example. First five weeks of season, Hands down, everyone thought Russell Wilson was MVP, him and Aaron Rodgers going neck and neck. And then after, I want to say week six or seven, it just looked like they couldn't put anything together. Like Seattle's bafflingly bad offensively. They looked like they couldn't get anything going. Part of that came down to running backs being hurt. But the biggest thing is the offensive line. They just have never addressed it. And with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, they are fortunate that he stayed as healthy as he has. I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but I can't remember him missing any times as a quarterback in the league. He's probably missed a game or two, but last season he didn't miss any games, but it just feels like the last two or three seasons he's just been running for his life, especially the later half of the season. Now, I understand injuries happen, but it always seems like everyone questions that offensive line in Seattle, and that's what scares me about them about them, like you said, being a contender, taking that next step, being that threat to ho- the hoist the Lombardi. It just seems like they never address that. And then their defense is getting older. Bobby Wagner is the last remaining member of that vaunted defense. Everyone else has gone, retired, or what have you. And it just seems like more and more they just keep putting these problems on the back burner and just kind of band-aid solutions, bringing in Greg Olson, who was a great tight end in his time, but was on his last wheels. And a few years ago, they brought in um, Jimmy Graham. And it just seems like they always try to bring in these players to try to kind of fix little things that they think are wrong. In those two examples, their receiving core, and just don't really put it together. So like you said, maybe it is getting towards the end of Pete Carroll's tenure, but as long as he keeps winning double-digit wins, it doesn't get blown out of the playoffs. I don't see that being the case for him, but that's what I'm seeing with Seattle right now is just kind of that team that has a great quarterback, has some pieces, but they're not really putting together things that are going to help them be successful for the long haul of the season. So moving on to our next team, the Los Angeles Rams. Nathan, what are you seeing with the Los Angeles Rams? I really like this team. I think they... I think they made the right moves. This was a team that had a liability at the quarterback position. I know he made it to a Super Bowl. I get it. But Joe Flacco's made it to a Super Bowl as well. So it's possible. <laughs> um, I, I I think they, they made the right move. And I think they actually got the right guy. 
um, for this spot. A guy that's very talented, very competitive, and very, very hungry for a Super Bowl ring. And, and so Matt Stafford is the man. This team is legit. I like him a lot. I think this could be a scary, scary team. Obviously, the expectations are extremely high for this team um, with what they've traded to get Matt Stafford. Traded away a, a former number one overall pick that went to the Super Bowl. So it, that's a big gamble. Um, but I, I think they made the right call, and I, I think they, they will, they'll reap the benefits from it. Last season, the Los Angeles Rams changed their identity, in my opinion. They went from being this offense that everyone feared to being a defense that no one wanted to face. Their defense was ex- played extremely well, kept their team in the game when their offense just, like you said, they weren't clicking. Whatever that magical season was that got them to the Super Bowl, their offensive numbers they were putting up and everything they were doing, teams figured it out. And Jared Goff didn't have a counterpunch, so to speak, to help his team or elevate his team. And so, yeah, like you said, I think this Matt Stafford trade is a win for Matt Stafford and for the franchise to help them move forward, to help build onto the. This team has been similar to Denver Broncos, where they're not afraid to make moves to help their team right now. They're like, they have traded away first round picks, it feels like, for the last three seasons. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, now they get Matt Stafford, and they're not, they're just not afraid to make moves. Not necessarily first round picks, just not afraid to make moves, make things happen through trades. They're going to do what they think they need to to address the the holes they have to make their team competitive. And that's what they've been these last few seasons. They've been a very competitive team, a team that last season had 10 wins, made it to the playoffs, and just, I mean, really that quarterback liability is what really cost them in that playoff game. So I definitely see them in an upward trend this year as well just see them putting together some good things and adding on to this division where last season we thought was going to be competitive i think that's what the story is going to be this season for this division it's going to be a very competitive tight race down the stretch but we're not in the wins department yet we're going to the third place team from last season we're going to look at the arizona cardinals with cliff kingsbury at the helm what are your thoughts on them nathan a lot of people are high on the cardinals high on kyler murray Obviously, they've got quite the the weapons on the outside. I know uh, Fitzgerald's getting up there in age, but still talented and reliable guy. I think there's a stat out there. He has more tackles than drop passes in his career, which is phenomenal. Um, then D-Hop, and then they added J.J. Um, uh, Watt on defense. Uh, I think they made a lot of good moves, but I'm not sold on this team. I'm br- I am... I'm a big Kyler Murray critic. I, I'm not impressed with this guy. He's a, an athlete. He really runs around. But that dude, man, he is going to get squished like a little fly sooner or later. Um, I think he plays carelessly. He plays out of control. And um, he turns the ball over too much. It's just people think, oh, it's just the growing pains. I... He's, he doesn't have the right guy in Cliff Kingsbury at the at the, the helm leading this team, um, in my opinion, to help this guy grow. So I just I see the and the Arizona Cardinal team to speak like it's always this careless team. They'll win some games, um, just because their carelessness will kind of the dominoes you know the dice will fall their way. 
um, in some of those games, and their carelessness will pay off. But I think most of the time it won't, and they'll have key turnovers and just kind of silly decisions, and um, that will just cost them a lot of games. And so I, I see them taking a step back or two, um, and uh, I'm, I'm just not sold on this team. I'm not sold on Kyler Murray. Um, I think they're going to be um, – I think they'll certainly underperform this year. Last year, Arizona Cardinals come in about the midpoint of the season, look like a team that could make playoffs. They had that Hale Murray pass that everyone talked about where they edge out a win against the Buffalo Bills. And they were a team, honestly, defensively surprised me. I thought defensively would have been their glaring weakness, but they, they were a solid unit last year. They do add J.J. Watt, as you mentioned before, and Malcolm Butler, who has seen better years, but maybe could be a good piece he won't be anything like they lost in Patrick Peterson, a uh, big, big franchise player they've lost. But we'll see how that works out. Um, Kyler Murray, like you said, has a lot of great skills or abilities, but the system doesn't warrant him to develop more. He's kind of just a gamer, so to speak. He just he can make these kind of highlight reel throws and make those big time plays here and there, but the string things together sometimes seems to be a problem, especially down the stretch last season. I remember we were around Christmas time. They lost to the 49ers who were decimated with injuries and just couldn't put together. They just didn't have any answers. And I think that really comes down to Cliff's experience in the NFL only entering a second season. Cardinals are a team. I, on paper, it looks like they picked up good players in JJ Watt, AJ Green, Rodney Hudson on the offensive line, but these are players that are getting long in the tooth. J.J. Watt, I think, has played in the tank still. But A.J. Green was pretty much a ghost in Cincinnati. Rodney Hudson, being an offensive lineman, I'm sure he still has great contributions to add to the game. It's just, I just don't know if this team has everything to put together to make a step forward this season like you alluded to. So I'm seeing many similarities. I don't see them being quite hitting quite as many successful points as they did last season. But we'll get to that in a few moments. Our last team talk about for this division just given our preview before we give our wins san francisco 49ers nathan what do you have on them this is the biggest mystery of them all obviously they traded up to get trey lance a quarterback who seems to be high on everyone's list they they really like this guy want to see him play sounds like he's having really good practices people like him um so but the question is when does when does he play uh, does he play at all this year? Will he come in the middle of the year? Will they trade Jimmy, right? What if Jimmy does good, right? So there's just so many dilemmas, right? So to me, at the end of the day, I'm just going to – I just think they're going to be just an average football team. Obviously, they were all underwhelming last year, but Jimmy G's not the guy. I'm not, I've never been a fan of him. Um, if he's healthy, he may play well. Um, he may not. Uh, we just don't know. Um, but Trey Lance is still a rookie quarterback. And so even if he plays, we can't like just say, oh, now they're world beaters. They're going to go out there and dominate. So I just have this team probably going to be in the middle of the pack this year. Maybe may sneak in the playoffs. Maybe not. I don't, you know, I don't know. But I, I think there's just a lot of mystery behind this team. Uh, maybe Trey Lance does come out and just owns this division i could see that as well but i'm gonna play it safe here i think they're gonna just be average maybe a little above average football team yeah a team decimated with injuries so a lot of question marks were left on what kind of team do we have kyle shanahan has definitely did a good job of making their 
making the team competitive as much as he could. Um, big question mark, like you said, is Jimmy Garoppolo, how long will he have the helm for Trey Lance over? Or how healthy will he be? Like you talked about off-air, it would be nice to see it be like an Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes trade-off for the for this young man to take over the reins when they feel he's fully ready and just on his feet wet in the NFL. But it's just a huge question mark for this team. I do see them making an upward trend from last season. I mean, the hope is or the thought is you're not going to get bitten by the injury bug as badly as they did last season. Again, for a second season. But time will tell that one. I do see them in an upward trend, though, this year. So that brings us now to the wins. We're going to go through where we have each team in the division and how many wins we believe they will have this season. So to start things off, we're going to, like I said before, we're going to start at the bottom of the mountain. So coming in at the end of the 2021 NFL season with 17 games, Nathan, who is your fourth place team in this division of the NFC West? My fourth place team is the team I'm just the least excited about. I think it's going to be super underwhelming. It's the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they're over under for wins is eight. I actually have them at six. Uh, I have them going six and 11 this year. Clearly in a very tough division, the NFC West. The Rams got better. Um, Seattle is obviously a really good team. I think San Francisco is going to be a better team than they were last year. So uh, just tough division. And I, I I don't, and I think they trend the wrong way as well as I alluded to earlier. So I have them going 6-11. and 11. I got the under here for eight wins. I also have the Arizona Cardinals in the fourth spot. I'm just, just a hair more optimistic. I have them getting seven wins. Not a Hail Murray type play, but something miraculous will happen where I believe they'll get that seventh win. So going seven, but still at the bottom of that division, just like you said, not anything really exciting jumping off that paper. They have names that they brought in that a couple seasons ago would have been a big game changer, but some of them haven't shown that spark in a few years. So we'll see what happens with them. But you have six, I have seven wins, but we both have them fourth in the division, the Arizona Cardinals. Who do you have third in the division this upcoming season? I got the 49ers at three. The over-under here is ten and a half. For a team that we're unsure who the quarterback is day one, who we're unsure who the quarterback is at the trade deadline, who's going to finish the season, to expect 11 wins out of this team, that's too much of a gamble in my opinion. I, like I said, I thought this team was going to be about an average football team, given the situation, given the unknown at the quarterback position. Um, so I have them going nine and eight, just getting barely above five hundred. Once again, like I said before, it's a tough division. You know, it's not like they're going to go five and one in their division. Um, I just, I just see this team back and forth, one game, lose a game, one game, lose a game. Just, you just don't know who who they're going to be too much mystery at the quarterback position. So I think that's a safe bet to, to go under and not expect them to win 11 or more games. Excellent thought process. Actually a process I had with them. I have them going third with nine wins as well. The quarterback position scares me. It showed when Jimmy G got hurt. Is Trey Lance really ready? So yeah, this is a team I want to sell under for their win total at 10 and a half. I want to be under that number right now. It just too many question marks in. When things started going south, it was really hard for them to put together the wins when that started happening. So I have nine wins as well for them. Now it comes to the top two. And I don't know about you, Nathan, but this is where I had a lot of debate. Who's going to be first? Who's going to be second? Who do you have second for the division? I have the Seahawks at number two. 
Um, let's say if they had a rookie coach, I probably would put them at one. Uh, but I think, uh, like I said, if you Pete Carroll's liability here, uh, you know, there's a reason Russell Wilson hasn't even had an MVP vote, and it's not because of Russell Wilson. It's because of the coaching there. Uh, I mean, that guy's way too talented to not have an MVP vote, um, and it's not his fault. It's just at the end of the season, people figure this team out every year. And so I, I see this team getting to a hot start like always, and then people people figuring them out and kind of slow down at the end. Uh, I have them going 10 to 7. Their over under is 9.5. So I, I will take the over there. I think they're good enough to, to do that. Uh, but I just barely have them getting the over here at 10 and 7. I, ha- I also have the Seattle Seahawks getting second, but mine is through a little more of a tiebreaker situation. I believe them and the Rams will have similar win totals by the end. Um, so spoiler for mine, I have both the teams coming out with 11 wins by the end of the season, but Seahawks seem to be a team that flounders towards the last stretch of the season. So I think the Rams end up getting that through tiebreakers and sorts. So I have the Seahawks getting 11 wins at the end of the season. They always start out well. The first five to six weeks, they always seem to be unstoppable. Everyone gets the ball. They're scoring all kinds of numbers, just putting up gaudy stats. But by the end of the season, they're just struggling to find their identity again. So I think a similar trend happens this season. They do end up with 11 wins, just one back from the season before with 12 wins. So I have the Seahawks with 11 wins. So we both have the Rams at the end. Like I said before, I have the Rams with 11 wins. Um, My reason behind that, just since I already started, I gave that away, is I I believe in their defense, and I think Matt Stafford's going to be able to manage their game and produce some of the things they're asking them to. Matt Stafford has been an individual that has been the flag holder for the Detroit Lions in the past, and he's just put himself on the line each and every week to just get that team to be close to a 500 team. And now that he's going to be on a team that can be a playoff contender and who knows down the stretch of the season be a Super Bowl contender, I just see him putting together for them to be 11 wins again. They weren't too far off last season. They had 10 wins with Jared Goff. I think he can get them at least 11 wins. So I'm going to be I'm going to be conservative in my guess and wins. So I'm going to say 11, then the Seahawks come down the stretch. Both have 11 wins by the end of the season, but the Rams get it through tiebreakers. What do you have, Nathan? I have the Rams with 11 wins, as we both did. Um, as we both said, I, I like this team a lot. I'm being generous here. Uh, I feel like I feel like they could easily have more than 11 wins. I, I think this team is going to uh, perform quite well. I just I did 11 just because the the NFC West is a pretty tough division. Um, their over under was 10 and a half, so I'm I'm going to pick the over, but I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with the 11 and not take a chance at 12 or 13 here. So um, they'll probably have a little bit of growing pains at the beginning of the season, just because we got a new quarterback and just the the expectation right is is somewhat high for them so i think that pressure will get to them and maybe start off the season like at two and two or, or something a little underwhelming but they'll they'll find their groove and the second half will be much better for them so i'll, I'll take the over here at 11 and six so for those keeping track at home we have the top two teams of this division being the rams and the seahawks we both picked the over on them for their win loss totals by the Vegas Insiders, and then for the bottom two teams, being the 49ers followed by the Cardinals, we picked the unders for their win totals for this upcoming season. So that's going to put a wrap on our show. Any final thoughts, Nathan, before we call it a night? 
Follow the rules, people. I don't care if they change two years from now. Follow the rules. That's my final thought. Well said, well said. And with the NBA Finals underway, we'll be soon seeing who will be crowned NBA champion. If our guests are right, it'll be the Phoenix Suns. If we're wrong, it'll be the Milwaukee Bucks. And then next week, we'll talk about our next NFL team, which will determine that here in the next few days and have that episode up to you the following week thank you so much for tuning in this has been the sports forecasters nathan singer i'm nick alvarez and we'll see you next time